0: I hope you'll come on September 26th, that's a Thursday night, when Nancy and I will uh, do a formal presentation on our trip to Israel this past summer. And uh, we'll share share many pictures, share some stories. That's on September 26th, it's in your bulletin. And uh, you'll notice on the communion table this morning there is um, a a cloth. Um, I purchased this cloth as my gift to MOPC uh, for your sending us. Um, It is handmade, uh, and it comes from the town of Hebron, also known as Shechem, which, if you read in the Bible, is the place where the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are buried. It's also the place where Jesus had an encounter with a woman at a well. And several other significant things uh, happened in the ancient Shechem, Mount Hebron, and... uh, handmade by some women in that community who have a co-op to uh, provide for themselves. They had a wonderful, very little shop in uh, the market there. And um, when I saw this and the colors, I said, I'd like to get this and we'll put it on our communion table. We'll use it for a while, maybe hang it up someday somewhere else in the church. Uh, Feel free to come up after the service, take a look at it, particularly if you're into handmade type of things and you appreciate that. I thought it was colorful, but we remember uh, brothers and sisters in Israel as we celebrate communion, and um, that cloth is uh, our gift. Uh, MOPC, it belongs to us. We find the Lord's Prayer used at least twice by our Lord Jesus Christ when he taught on prayer. And we find the fuller and the more familiar version of that prayer in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, We're going through the Lord's Prayer so that we can let Jesus teach us how to pray. Leading into this, Jesus first tells us not to pray to be seen. Not that you can't pray and be seen, but to be seen and to be admired for our praying is not the reason for prayer. Jesus then teaches us that the longer we pray, the more words we use does not equate with the Father hearing us any more or any better. In fact, Jesus encourages uh, using few words so that we aren't like the pagans who think that they are heard because of their long, long prayers. Jesus tells us, keep it brief and rest and trust that your Father knows what you need. And then Jesus says, so when you pray, you are to pray like this. And he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really kind of a A handrail It's kind of a guide for all our praying. Martin Luther said the Lord's Prayer is a wonderful tool to use to pray first before our own personal prayers to kind of warm up our hearts to get us going in our own personal prayer. In this prayer that Jesus gives, there is no I, me, or mine. It is all ours and us. In this prayer that Jesus gives, the Lord's Prayer, God's concerns are prayed first. Uh, His identity, His place, His name, His kingdom, they're all primary. Our needs, our concerns, come secondary. Jesus teaches us that when we pray, we are to call God our Father, our Abba, our Daddy. The most intimate term we can use for a father. It's a loving, intimate relationship we have with him. But we are also to remember that he is in heaven and we are on earth. And he is to be held in reverence and awe. There is closeness, but we are to get too chummy with the father and creator of all the universe. We pray for his name, his character, his reputation to be made holy and made great. We pray for his kingdom, his reign, his rule to come more and more so that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord. And so what does it mean when we pray, your will be done on earth as in heaven? Jesus never asks us to pray anything that he has not or does not pray himself. In Gethsemane, in his darkest hour, facing crucifixion, Jesus prays, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He prays for a second time for the cup to be taken away, but ends by praying. But may your will be done. Jesus can tell us to pray, your will be done, because it is how he prays. But sometimes that's not an easy prayer. In Gethsemane, we see Jesus struggle with God's will. He's honest with the Father about his fear of what he faces. He asks to be corrected if he's wrong. If this isn't what you want, Father, then confirm that for me. Jesus has been there too. The garden of Gethsemane is located on the bottom of the Mount of Olives. In Jerusalem today, there's a large church building called the Church of All Nations that sits at Gethsemane. Next to it is a small garden, more like a courtyard, full of olive trees and well kept plants. that's right next to it. Today, Gethsemane isn't so much a garden as, uh, and much of what Jesus and his disciples probably knew is now paved over by roads and sidewalks and the church. But inside the church at Gethsemane. Uh, stand up at the front near the altar is a large, somewhat flat stone that is about, I don't know, six foot by six foot maybe. And tradition is that this is where Jesus prayed. It was the stone on which he was kneeling when he prayed, Not my will, but your will be done. Many pilgrims go to the front. They place their hands on the stone, they kneel down, even their foreheads on the stone, and they pray, perhaps with the sense of being in communion with Jesus and what he did. Now, is this really the place where Jesus prayed that? There's no telling. And in the Holy Land there are all kinds of places and rocks and stones uh, where people claim Jesus did this or that. But I will say that as I knelt down and as I place my hands on that stone, I imagined Jesus and his grueling hour in Gethsemane. And I did think of what it was to pray and actually do God's will. And I found myself uh, praying that whatever God's will is going to be in my life at whatever time that God give me strength to be obedient to that. Jesus always wanted to do the will of his Father. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He said, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but I've come to do the will of him who sent me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's God's will, that all people come to know him and have eternal life. Jesus said that doing the will of the Father is how to be rightly related to him, even to the point of being family. For whoever does, the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And in one of his more stunning teachings, our Lord said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. You know, prayer and the will of God are very closely linked. Paul writes something in Romans that I think is very helpful. It's very encouraging. He acknowledges that we often, we don't know how to pray or what to pray for or what the will of God is that we should be praying. But he says the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses and he prays with us in sighs that are too deep for words. And then Paul writes, And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's all of us, according to the will of God. I think that should be encouraging and unburdening to us that the Holy Spirit is praying for us in the will of God. And even if I'm off target, even if I'm unsure um, or having a clue what or how I am to pray, the Spirit is taking all of that and He's bringing it to God on my behalf. The Christian uh, mystic and the spiritual director from several centuries ago, François Fenelon, a Frenchman, he said, you know, many people say and even pray that they want to do good and that they want to love God and they want to do His will, but they want to do it according to their pleasure and in their own way. They make rules for God as to how He's to deal with them. They want to serve Him, but then they tell God how They want Him to let them serve Him. They kind of make their own road, if you would. When we pray, Father, let Your will be done. We are giving up the right to ourselves. We are giving up the right to the situation. We are casting aside what we want for what God wants. We're asking God to grace bring what you want for us bring what you want on this earth you know C.S. Lewis said in the end there are really only two kinds of people those who say to God thy will be done and those to whom God says in the end thy will be done and it's the difference between heaven and hell God will not force us to choose his will we don't want to do that We can go our own way. And sometimes that way is hard. If we choose to go God's way. It was for Jesus. There's a book by Wendell Berry called Jaber Crow. I don't know if you've read it. It's a good book. It's about a man who's a barber in a small town in Kentucky, rural Kentucky. Jaber Crow originally wanted to be a minister. He went to theology school for a while, but it was not God's will for his life as it turned out. But in one part of the book, Jaber Crow is reflecting on the Lord's Prayer. And he says that one day it hit him that Jesus' most fervent prayer was refused. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what my will is, but thine be done. And he says, I must have read that verse or heard it a hundred times before without seeing or hearing. Maybe I didn't want to see it. But then one day I saw it. It just knocked me in the head. This, I thought, is what is meant by thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer, which I pray time and time again without thinking about it. It means that your will and God's will may not be the same. It means there's a good possibility that you won't get what you prayed for. It means that in spite of your prayers, you are going to suffer. It means you may be crucified. That small town spiritually alert, barber saw the extremes of this prayer. But we do realize that God's will may not always be the same as our will, and it may not always be easy and without cost to us. The writer of Hebrews reflects on Jesus praying in Gethsemane, and he says Jesus offered up prayers with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Part of praying, your will be done, is a prayer for obedience. And many times, the only way we learn obedience is through some struggle of choice, and God gives us choice. And sometimes, sometimes, the harder thing is the way that we are to go and the right thing to do. Maybe God wants to show us something. Maybe he wants to teach us something. Maybe he wants to grow us. And if we quit, we'll miss it. Some people, some families, sometimes nations, find themselves in bad places because frankly they go against the will of God and what he wants. Sometimes I have made my struggle worse because I've looked for the way that won't cost me as much and I try to go that way even if it's not God's way. Remember that the prayer is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we aren't just praying for our own little lives but for all the earth. We are praying for what God wants for the person next to us, for the community we live in, for troubled places in the world, for everywhere. We are reminded of how the Lord's Prayer spans the globe. In this way, this, this prayer is cosmic, because God cares about the earth. He cares about the whole earth. And we pray that His perfect will, which happens where He is, comes down to earth where we are. The Bible teacher Kenneth Bailey said, In heaven the will of God flows like a great river that has no barriers to halt its progress. But on earth, however, sin interrupts the flow of God's desire of good for all people. Yes, there is sin and there is evil and there are obstacles and problems, a squadron of things that can block the flow of what God wants. And that is one of the reasons we have to pray for what God wants that it might happen. Let's not get stuck with trying to figure out what God wants always and everywhere because we never will know all of it. There are limits to it. There are times it will become clear, but in a lot of ways and places we can't see it. That shouldn't paralyze us. I don't even know what I want half the time. How am I going to know what God wants? We're never going to know the detail of God's mind. He can't handle it anyway. Something so vast can't be downloaded into our miniature brains. You can't put Niagara Falls into a Dixie cup. Your will be done is not a prayer for clarity, but for us to know or for us to know and see everything. We can't always see until all the pieces are in place. And we have to live by faith and we have to go with those big and general things that we always know is God's will. Things like faith and and love and forgiveness and worship and trust and hope. And thankfulness. We can't always know for certain the will of God. Is it God's will that your neighbor's son was tragically killed? Probably not. God doesn't will that kind of thing. But it is God's will that you respond with love, comfort, and support. Is it God's will that we lost our job? Might be hard to tell because it could be his way of leading us to something better. But it is his will that I be open to what he wants, to trust him, to live with integrity, not wallowing in self-pity and making life miserable for everybody else around me. Is it God's will that there be a civil war in that country? I may never know. But I know I have a bank account and some investments that could be used to provide some relief for refugees. Is it God's will that I have that bank account and investments? Is it God's will that this day or this week was as bad as it was for us? Maybe he wants us to learn patience. Maybe he wants us to learn selflessness and reliance on him. Maybe he's drawing us back to him. For me, I know that at least part of what God wants is living out this call as a pastor in this place and staying alive to it. Some days that is easy and some days it is not. There are seasons, believe me. And I'll bet the circumstances of your life you find the same thing. I don't want to put a negative spin on this part of the Lord's Prayer and make us think, well, you know, it's just a prayer of resignation to everything that's bad. That's not true at all. It's a prayer that lets loose and opens the doors for God. It's just that, though, when when all is well and when all is great, we usually don't struggle with what God wants, do we? It's usually, when there's adversity, or when we're at the crossroads, maybe you know who Sister Taya Bowman was. She was an African American woman who joined a Catholic order of sisters, became a nun, became an evangelist, and a great leader for African American people within the Roman Catholic Church. She was raised in a Methodist home, later became Catholic. Can you imagine? Heaven Sister Taya Bowman was still in the strength of her youth when she found out that she had cancer. Was this the will of God for Sister Bowman? I don't think God wills people to have cancer, but He can take what is meant for harm and He can bring His will and His good and His beauty out of it. This is what Sister Taya Bowman thought about it. When I first found out I had cancer, I didn't know what to pray for. I didn't know if I should pray for healing or life or death. But then I found peace in praying for what my folks call God's perfect will. As it evolved, my prayer has become Lord, let me live until I die. By that I mean I want to live, love, and serve fully until death comes. If that prayer is answered, how long? really doesn't matter. To pray your will be done is a prayer of submission. It's to put our hand in God's hand and to say that we will let him govern this world as he sees fit, that we want him to work his way, that we want him to work in our lives as he wants. And that we will trust Him and love Him through it all. Our hymn before we come to communion is Love Divine, Our Love Excelling. Pay attention to these words as we sing them. I think they give us a mindset of praying, Thy will be done. Let's stand, prepare to come to the table and sing.